Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Guest host Brendan Escott tonight on Inside Sports. I haven't even mentioned that the World Cup of Hockey seems to be back. 2024, the target date, February of 2024 to be specific. So that would put it, I guess, two years before the tournament, the Olympic tournament in, uh, in Italy. So there you go. Maybe we'll talk about that with our next guest. He is the host of... Oilers now with Bob Stoffer is also the color analyst of Oilers broadcast here on 630 Chad. Bob Stoffer on the tie line. Appreciate you jumping on tonight, Bob. How you doing? Good, Brendan. You're a man of many talents and you're taking a lot of taking on a lot of hours. So uh, I hope you're being compensated for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that. And and I got to start off in the spirit of it being Reed's show and everything. I know he loves to do Stoffer trivia with you. I don't know whether or not this will be an easy one, but it is a college football related one. Uh, okay. We we know we know Nick Saban got paid. Okay. We know Nick Saban is the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Your favorite team. He just got paid a lot of money at a pretty late age in life. So I got to ask you off the top here for Stoffer trivia. Where did he start as a coach? What university? Kent State. It was Kent State. That's right. Actually, almost immediately after he was uh, a college player at Kent State back in the yeah, early seventies. What year do you what now? What year do they have that listed? So at Kent State, he, they had him as a defensive back from seventy to seventy-two, and then uh, at Kent yeah. State as a coach, I believe in seventy-four. Like he jumped right into it. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was there when the four students got shot by the National Guard, and that's the song Four Dead in Ohio" by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. That's right. That's I'm, uh, pre- I'm pretty sure. I read a bio on him. Actually, uh, <laughs> Craig McTavish ended up reading it as well. I read it first uh, during the first year that I did color on the team. So I haven't read it uh, in 14 years, but it was in 0809, and it was or, eh, maybe it was it, it was after he won the national his first national championship at Alabama. So they won in 2009, the 2009 season, and I remember that year because it was uh, the second season that I'd done the color, and Tebow was playing at Florida. And Florida had beaten Alabama the year before in the SHC championship game. But he had brought him back. And, of course, he won a national title at LSU. He subsequently won six national championships at Alabama. So he's beaten Bear Bryant by one. Uh, Bear won six. And one of Bears is disputed, whereas all of Sabans are, it's pretty much accepted that, you know, the one at Alabama or the one at LSU, the six at Alabama. He also coached at Michigan State, as you know. Um, which was always a school that had really good defenses, and that's kind of where he made his hay, was as a defensive specialist. So interesting guy, to say the least. And uh, 
I, I'm going to say something, and, not, and maybe people say, how could you possibly say that? But, Brendan, it's my belief, you know, he's going to make $11 million. For how he has changed and the money that he has made for, for that school uh, and taking Alabama to where they are, he's been worth the money. Like, that's a program that's pulling 70, 80, 90 million dollars a year out of football. And, uh, you know what? He's the driver. He's the guy that puts, you know, the, the Elks are hoping that Chris Jones can kind of put that, that structure and that level of expectation. But guys go there. They get better as players. They conform. They're not bigger than the program, despite the fact that maybe we're with a little bit different generation of players today. And um, whatever happens to the Alabama grads after they leave, when they're there, they're all in there, bought in, and guess who's ranked the preseason number one to kick off of the college uh, football season? Week zero is actually this week. Alabama plays Texas next week, so Alabama's ranked number one to start the year. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. We should work on getting Eli Gold on your show one of these days, he's, too. Do you know what happened? He's taken. Uh, he's got some health issues. Oh, no. He's been with them yeah, for a so, long time, though, eh? Yeah, and he did, uh, he did the Birmingham Bulls in the WHA and met Rod Phillips. And then if you go into uh, St. Louis's, I, I believe, no, Nashville, he, he briefly did uh, some Nashville Predators hockey as well. He's actually, uh, as you know from the accent, he's he's from Brooklyn. He's you know, and ends up at Alabama doing college football. So it's a pretty interesting story. But yeah, uh, almost certain I read in the book that uh, he was a fret, uh, and back then, uh, you didn't, a lot of guys didn't play their freshman year, and then you only played three years, right? You kind of redshirted your freshman year or whatever. You didn't play the freshman season, and then he played the three years, 70 to 72, before he got into coaching. And that happened during, uh, you know, during the shooting. He and a teammate, or a roommate even, it says here, avoided being a part of the shootings on May 4th, 1970, when they decided to eat lunch before walking into the rally area. So there you go. It's there like you go. One of those, you got it. Yeah, like I mean, I'm, I'm not in front of my computer right now, but I, yeah, it was, I, I, I don't even think we can fathom it. Like, I don't know how much travel you've done to the States, but, you know, just the story, we didn't even discuss it on Oilers Now last week, but that story about Aqib Tlaib's brother and, uh, you know, in a situation where they're coaching nine-year-old kids and there's a dispute during the game down in Texas and Aqib Tlaib had recently retired in the NFL and it was going to be an analyst. His brother pulled out a gun and murdered the coach on the other team in front of the coach's son. Like, it's just, it's crazy stuff that happens down there on a regular basis. It's <laughs> devastating, to say the least. Uh, up here, a little bit different temperature and certainly inside Rogers Place once the ice gets down. Uh, the team looking pretty well complete on paper. Uh, but as we have Bob Stauffer, the color analyst of the team on, I got to ask you, uh, Ryan McLeod, remaining a restricted free agent, sort of the last box to tick for Ken Holland in the, in the front office this offseason, do you think, is getting that deal done? Yeah, um, I mean, you were there when Ken Ken was on the show two weeks ago on Monday, and he was not concerned uh, about you know basically McLeod doesn't have arbitration rights, and the only reason why this has taken a while and why it's going to is is whether or not there's an opportunity coming out of uh, the Labor Day weekend, whether or not there's an opportunity if a team decides to take on one of the orders forwards. And if that happens, that may create the mechanism where Edmonton can end up uh, maybe offering McLeod a two-year deal. 
Uh, I think the owners were comfortable offering two years at 975000 That's the same dollars that uh, Ryan McLeod's brother, Michael McLeod, who was part of that 2018 World Junior team, uh, you know, Mikey McLeod, uh, got two years at 975, and uh, my understanding is the Ryan McLeod camp hasn't, uh, they're not comfortable with that. So my guess is he's probably looking at a one-year deal, and then he's going to cost you a little bit of money in the extension, because I think, I'm going to ask you this, Brendan, where would you play him? Would you play him at third-line center? Would you play him potentially on the wing and, and have Nugent Hopkins play center? What would you do? Well, here's the thing. Is I figured that might be the question. I've got the same question written down for you, but I did my lines out, and when I did them, I do think he showed me enough at the end of last year that he can play third line center to start this season and that just allows for such a, a different dynamic in that second line when you talk about having Nugent Hopkins alongside Dreisaitl there I think it really makes things a lot different from an Oilers perspective so that's what I'd like to start with but this roster I have here has a third line that I don't think could possibly be made up because it has Pugliarvi and Fogel on it as well. And the only way there's enough money for all that to take place is if a defenseman is gone, for example. So, Well, or if they cut to exactly a 20-man roster. Like, if they get McLeod in at 900, it's going to be tight. Um, I'll, I'll just throw this your way. I think if, you know, we'll see what happens here with Yassipoliarvi. I think he's going to be in the Oilers' top six. Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogel, and Kyler Yamamoto spent a lot of time together. And I wonder if ultimately that'll be the third line and that'll give an opportunity for Pugliarvi potentially to play in the top six. We had Ben Pope on today. I know you heard the conversation and he talked about, you know, the Blackhawks not qualifying Dylan Strom, who's been an infinitely more productive player in his career uh, than Yessa Pugliarvi. And I found that to be an interesting decision. But one thing that people need to remember when it comes to... Uh, Yes, the Pugliarvi, Brendan, next, is he's going to have arbitration rights again. He's on a one-year deal. So we're going to know where he's at, right? Either he kills it here this year and, you know, scores 25 goals and 50 points and the Oilers got to find a way to keep this guy. But if he has another year where he's 15 goals and 40 points, based upon the fact that he's on an Edmonton team where, you know, the arbitration situation doesn't benefit the Oilers because of McDavid and Drysaddle. Those are good players and guys benefit from playing with those guys. Um, I'm not sure what course of action the Oilers are going to take. So this is a real important year for Yessa Pugliarvi. And I think we might see starts the season in the top six. Bob Stauffer, the guest tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, so just for finality here... Can you call McLeod the third-line center of this team heading into training camp, or is there a chance that he starts on your left wing if you were to make that decision? What do you think? I'm I'm putting him on third-line uh, center. Yeah. I want the speed down the middle. Uh, I need Nugent Hopkins at the price point that he's at playing in the top six. Mm -hmm. uh, now... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There is a scenario down the road where maybe you look at it a little bit differently. You, you partner up Evander Kane with Connor McDavid. You partner up Kyler Yamamoto, 
down the road with Leon Dreisaitl and then Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who you fully know well, uh, those guys killed penalties together in the first PK unit as well. And that would give you greater balance depending upon the opponents that you play. But for me to start the season, I see McLeod all day as the second line center or third line center. So, yeah, how much can we delve into these rumors about Patrick Kane to Edmonton? I mean, it, it's almost unfathomable that both of these Canes would would sign here, given what the fan base has endured over the last decade and a half. But we've talked about it a lot, especially this summer, how this team's a destination now. So, you know, it seems like from the player's standpoint on the final year of his contract at 33 years old, there's a lot to, to gain by coming up here and, and potentially pushing Edmonton over the edge. Uh, but I wonder what that trade might have to look like to get that done. I don't think it's going to happen uh, in the offseason. My guess is what the Kane camp will do, and he's represented by J.P. Barry, is he'll take a lay of the land, look at the, who's, got, you know, who's playing well, who looks to be well-positioned to win, and okay lifting the no-movement clause to those teams. So you might as well put Colorado there. And it's it's one of those ones because, he, and we've talked about this before, as you know, Brendan, he's only owed $2.9 million in real dollars. Mm-hmm. So if you three-way the deal, and Chicago eats half of the, you know, the cap hits 10.5, Chicago eats half of 5 point, you know, that's 5.25, and you get, get another team involved, and that knocks it down to 2.65, well, then they take back a contract at 2.75 plus, and away you go. So I'm uh, I'm of the volition. I, I think it's 100% he's getting traded. I think it behooves Edmonton to try to strike before the deadline, but I'm not convinced he goes before December the 1st. That's kind of where my headspace is at right now. So that's why I'm saying I think Paul Yarby is going to be starting the year in the top six, and he's going to get an opportunity to see what he can do. And it's important, you know, he needs to get going. Um I think people would be stunned. What's happening here is there's a lot of teams that just simply aren't spending money. And so they're, you know, sure, we'll take on a player, but you got to give us something to take on a player, which is why you're seeing some decent players not getting qualified. Like a lot of people have talked about Milano. Why wouldn't Anaheim, quali- you know, bring bring Milano back or get a deal done? I haven't, you know, and I think it's just how organizations are spending. They're looking to make money during rebuilds off of asset management and getting additional draft choices and that sort of thing. Uh, now, let me ask you the question this way. We've seen a really good job and a patient job by Ken Holland and the Oilers front office over the last, I, I would say, four seasons, certainly, because they have those four first-round picks. I think they're in a window right now where they have a couple of years here where they can afford to buy at the deadline, finally, now that we get to see, you know, I guess some of the options that could be out there. Looking at Kane as one of them, you're coming comfortable spending the assets on an offensive type player or do you think that the assets in order uh, that you could spend I suppose in the next couple of years are better allocated uh, to a, to the defensive side of the puck I think Brendan that I have confidence in the the Oilers in my mind have prospects that are closer to making the NHL team on defense so between um, Nima Linen and Sam Rukov, 
DeHarnay, those three in particular, somebody has to pop in the next year. And then they get him in on the entry-level deal. And that's that's ultimately going to be the defenseman that is probably going to replace Tyson Berry in this lineup at some point over the next, you know, calendar year or whatever. So that's why I'm prepared. And I am prepared because you are in a win-now mode. Um, but it's got to be like, you know, it's got to be a, if you're giving up a first, it's it's got to be an impact player. Or a guy with a great bought-down contract for a couple of years, like Hagel was. It's either got to be a guy like that, or it's got to be Patrick Kane. Like if it's Max Domi, I'm not saying that the Oilers have interest in him, but let's just say hypothetically, you know, we know he signed a one-year deal at three million bucks in Chicago. They're in a rebuild. Chicago's looking to get a, a pick for him. Would I give a second? Sure, if they ate half the money and took a contract back. Yeah, you know, that's that's the way I do Max Domi, but I'm not giving up the first rounder for him. So it's got to be a high impact uh, player and for me it's 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 a forward because I have belief in what they have coming on the back end. I could be entirely wrong, Brendan, I've been wrong before. <laughs> that's uh, no the, the the argument stands that makes a lot of sense and we got a glimpse of Marcus Niemelainen I think a lot of the fan base liked what they saw uh, his physicality changes the dynamic on the back end so if he hits and he hits on that ELC I mean that's that helps um, one more question for Bob Stoffer here color analyst of the Oilers broadcast and of course host of Oilers now on 630 Chad sounds like as per Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly this afternoon the World Cup is back in 2024. Exciting news. And I look at the list of Oilers who could potentially not only suit up for Canada, but, you know, for the few teams that we that we could see. Another exciting thing to think about in addition to Olympic hockey. But, you know, what's your take when you hear that the World Cup's back? Well, you know, and it's funny. People aren't going to have Darnell Nurse on that team. I'm going to predict that Darnell Nurse is going to end up on Team Canada with, with, with Connor McDavid. Uh, I think you're going to see a Darnell Nurse. I think people have a recency bias on Nurse. They needed to factor in that he was playing with a torn hip flexor. And I also think that Darnell Nurse is going to get more specific in his role this year. I think Darnell tries to be a master of everything. Uh, you know, Bouchard is going to be the power play quarterback of the future in this organization. Darnell is going to be on the second power play unit. Occasionally, when the first unit's not going and they need a, to switch a righty to a left shot, he's going to be out there. Uh, but those two guys, for sure. Now, does do they go with a Team Europe concept? I don't know. Uh, is if Russia isn't in, I think Germany's probably got a team, so Drysaddle would be in for sure. I mean, I tell you right now, I don't know. If, I mean, you tell me. Do you think Finland would take Yasapoliarvi? They've kind of not taken him the last couple World Championships. And I think that's a little bit revealing. So it's gonna. And I'm 100% on board with the World Cup of Hockey. I think we need to have it. I think every. Frankly, I prefer it in the summer, like in August and September, but it sounds like they're going to do it in season. Bob Stoffer, appreciate the time tonight. I guess we'll uh, connect tomorrow. <laughs> hey, we'll see you tomorrow, Brendan. Thanks for your time. <laughs> sounds good. Thanks, Bob. It is yep. uh, a pleasure to chat with Bob and pick his brain a little bit on just exactly what could lie ahead for the Oilers. So it sounds like not a whole heck of a lot in the immediate future. Fair enough. It's the dead of summer. If you're tuned in right now, I appreciate it, certainly, uh, because the, the the news wheel just isn't churning as much, obviously, out of hockey these days. People's feet kind of kicked up right now, but that's going to change very quickly. So I'll tell you right now, on my, my theoretical, like, I wonder if these Oilers could make World Cup teams. Is Philip Broberg a good enough defenseman that Sweden would take him by 2024? That's only, what, next February? No. 
one after that. Maybe. I mean, it's certainly possible. He's a, a very high pick. What about Jack Campbell in net for the USA? He's got some stiff competition in there. Of course, Spencer Knight, that sort of thing. But, you know, lots to think about. Why don't you think about it? 780-496-0063. A couple of texts to get back to here when we return on Inside Sports. <laughs> for all the news and expert opinion inside sports with reed wilkins on 630 chad 55 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott in tonight. So on Inside Sports, Dave Campbell back tomorrow. Then we've got some football for you Saturday evening here on the airwaves. Five o'clock game time. It's the second of uh, two in a row against the Ottawa Red Blacks. This one on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Five o'clock kickoff. 3.30 is the countdown show. World Cup of Hockey sounds like it's all but confirmed for February of 2024. And they're looking to play games in both North America and Europe. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the format would play out. Would Russia be involved is another serious question to consider. Remember, Canada beat Team Europe 2-0 in a best-of-three final back in 2016. Thought to figure Canada would be the favorite at that point, too. Lots more time coming up in hour number two for your text messages, 780-496-0063. CFL, NHL, talk about it all. Cam Moon at 735. Up next, it's Derek Taylor on the CFL from CJOB, 680 in Winnipeg.